Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on yeah what's going on everybody welcome to ths thursday january 21st 2021 that hockey show your weekly recap of all four new divisions here in the nhl and some featured commentary on select teams featuring yours truly mr paul cutler here holding down the hq Motherboard here in New York and abroad. And as we are always joined every week by our wonderful commentators, Mr. Joe Yurden in Buffalo, Mr. Tab Bamford in Chicago, Mr. Costa Papalias up in Montreal, and all the way out west, last but not least, Mr. Steve Palumbo out in Cali, L.A. So uh, Joey's going to be uh, doing a... Talking to Sabres here today, as we always do, and the Eastern Division. Tab always runs us through the Central and the Chicago Blackhawks. Costa will talk about the Montreal Canadiens and the Canadian Division up north. And Stevie always takes us through the West Division as well as the New Jersey Devils. Because Stevie is uh, in L.A. via New Jersey. So he's out there. He's... uh, you know, so we, we give him a little New Jersey love here, you know, and we talk some devil stuff. So uh, it's great commentary. All these guys are great. So, look, here's the deal. Today was supposed to be live, but it didn't happen. So we um, we taped the show. So basically what you're going to have today here is just the uh, the clips of all four guys, all our discussions today. And uh, hopefully what we'll do is next week we'll be back, and I'll try the live thing again for my little extra banter in between segments. But it didn't happen today. So I'm just going to give you the tape show, and instead of me rambling on here, nonsense and stuff, I'm just going to give you the guys, because the guys are the goods anyway. I'm just, you know, I'm just the go-between here, you know? But um, I hope you guys are enjoying the the game so far. We're we're a week in. Um, Golden Knights, 4-0, top of the league. And, uh, you know, the games are are good. They're fun. You're seeing uh, guys get their legs. Uh, seeing guys, you know, how coaches are dealing with this. We've got COVID rearing its ugly head here within the league. Uh, some stuff that happened in Washington. A couple of guys are going to be uh, out. It uh, looks like four games or so. Uh, Dallas still hasn't played a game. The Canes are getting postponed too. So these are all different things that we discussed today on the show in terms of uh, all these off-ice stuff uh, affecting games, scheduling, the players, and just basically a basic general inside look at uh, the week that was so far in the NHL and uh, you know next week will be uh, about 10 games in for each team and then things are going to start happening here so this is a 56 game schedule it's not the full run so you know we're all sitting back as fans and commentators just kind of seeing how this thing unfolds but anyway I'm going to shut up here and we're going to roll things out here and hope you guys enjoy it we'll kick things off with Joe then Tab we'll bring in Costa and then we'll bring in Steve as we do every week. And then hopefully next week we'll be back here 
um, live. We'll give it a shot, you know, and that's that's the game plan here is to go live here every Thursday. But until then, we tape, we record, and onward with the show. So thanks so much for tuning in here, listening, subscribing, download. If you have time, give us a comment, rate, review. Uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear. Follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show, and we really appreciate your time and tuning in to THS. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Take care. All right, everybody, and uh, right now at THS, we're going to bring our good friend, Mr. Joe Yurden on. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back. Week two, or episode two, I should say, or even episode one here at TH1, THS as we kick things off. How things going, buddy? Going good, Paulie. Going good. We had a, we've had a pretty exciting first week here, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's... um. I, I was, I'm going to ask you to you and all the guys today what you feel. You can see maybe one. We're only two, three, four games in here, but have you seen after one, two games, the game's getting a little better um, as far as the guys getting their legs here a little bit? I mean, some of the games have been a little clunkers, and, and some of them have had a lot of goals, a lot of goal scoring. But uh, I, I guess that's just a process here for the guys just to, to get their legs going and get into gameplay since they didn't have any training camp, no scrimmages, and a lot of these guys haven't even played real games for over 10 months. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's got a little bit of that preseason feel, except it's uh, except that you get the full blown rosters going on with this, and uh, I, I don't know. To me, in some cases, it produces some really exciting games. I mean, I, I look at that uh, Montreal Vancouver game uh, last night, where it was just uh, what ended up being like what six five, I think it was, yeah. uh, overtime game or something. So, Shoot out, yeah. but you get that, but then you get Toronto, you get the Toronto Edmonton game last night where it was just, Oh boy. I mean, there were injuries, you know, Joe Thornton gets banged up. Um, but like you'd think a game with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Matthews and Marner and all of them would just be like a fire wagon, exciting game, but it was the furthest thing from exciting. <laughs> oh my God. But like, I don't know. You're, you're seeing a lot. You're seeing all these teams kind of feel things out, trying to get an idea of what they're, you know, what, what's working right. What's not working right. And adjusting everything on the fly. So I, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have your stinkers. You're going to have your, your fire wagon games, but you know, it's going to take everybody a, a bit of time to get things figured out. Even the teams that played in the playoff, I mean, they've still been off for months. You know, I, I know, you know, I know teams like the devils and the Sabres and, and all of them have been off since, since March, but, uh, but for everybody else, I mean, being off since what at most September at, at the least September for like Tampa or Dallas, but like, I don't know, man. It's I, I like seeing things be a little bit broken. I think the most fun hockey is sloppy hockey, <laughs> um, which I know that makes me like not a you know not a you know a, a heart you know not as not as much of a you know a, a beautician when it comes to the sport. But <laughs> but man, I, you know, get, give me these games where you know you got the, these elite guys making mistakes and it turns into it turns into goals or chances. I mean, that makes it more exciting. Yeah, I mean, right now for for all of us as fans, you know, like I said, outside of the the Knights here and and the Flyers are out three, you know, three wins and a, and a loss. But everybody else from you know Montreal down, just basically, uh, you know, two wins here, three wins here, and, and and it goes all the way down the rest of the way. So I mean, early out of the gate here, everybody kind of into it. Again, you could look at the Hawks struggling a little bit. Um, they're losing their mind on Broadway with the Rangers and and some of the coaching decisions and and yeah. everything else. And 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 I guess that's that's an art form here as far as you know, how these coaches are, you know, here we are talking as, as commentators and as fans in terms of what we're seeing. I can only imagine what it's like for the uh, the coaching staffs and the head coaches here in terms of monitoring not only the guys in terms of uh, 
getting rhythms, getting line combos going, your special teams, your goaltenders getting into the groove here. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, the bubble, and then you look at what happened in Washington here with the COVID. uh, Dallas not even being able to get started yet. I mean, all these different factors here uh, early in the season – um, I can only imagine what the take is, is that, in fact, just being a part of the team and, and the coaching staffs. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, coaches have got to get stuff figured out on the fly, too. I mean, it's, you know, it's in the flow of the games, but it's also, you know, the off days. And, you know, the off days are, are going to be pretty pretty hard to come by. I mean, a lot of the off days are going to be rest days for for the players and the coaches alike. Uh, but that, you know, but that means still having to kind of tinker with lines tinker with combinations, tinker with, you know, your special teams and, and figuring out how to, how to manage your goaltending. And it's, it's asking a lot of everybody uh, with, with the season set up. And, you know, I know the travel parts have been made a little bit easier by keeping everything in division, but, but man, I mean, trying, trying to get your, trying to get your bearings as the season starts. I mean, you know, you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned Philadelphia, how they're three and one to start the season, but like, you watch their games and you're just kind of like, uh, or, you know, that's a three and one that's a little bit scary. And but then you get a team like Buffalo that's one and three, and they played really one terrible game against Washington. The other three they played really well, uh, but yet they've only got one win to come away from it. So you know you got to try to manage. There's so much more you've got to manage with with everything because you could be playing great and not getting goals, or maybe your goaltending just falters a little bit. And that and that costs you in the end. But I mean, that's this whole this whole season is going to be like that. You're going to have teams that are going to play great and they're not going to come away with W's. And then you're going to have teams that just play terrible and they luck their way, luck their way into, you know, going on a hot streak. So um, it it may not seem fair, but you got to it's a lot of it's a lot of gymnastics you got to do with with the mental side of the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, No doubt about it. And and the pivot back and forth in a. 56 game season as opposed to an 82 game season is also going to be something that's going to be interesting to play out your your, your take on on that as far as uh, I mean I mean I, I don't know maybe that's the, that's the wrong question for me to ask you Joe to look into the future like that that's really not that fair but um, my crystal ball's still cloudy yeah you know but uh, but I think all of us here now it, it we as fans uh, you know, we're we're not used to this, so we're probably mentally thinking this is an 82 game season. Uh, this is a full run, and it's not. It's totally different. It's totally different the way these teams are being managed. Um, these guys conditioning so far at the start, and there's not going to be a lot of room for correcting the errors or managing injuries as there would during a, a regular 82 game season. Yeah, and you know that that that's the part where you're gonna. You know, when when you're dealing with the with the lineup switches and you know, guys missing games, you know, for for injuries or personal reasons or COVID reasons or or, or what have you, um, you, you know, the the depth for everybody's gonna get is gonna get tested. I mean, that's that's why they got the taxi squads and they're doing all that. But it's but it's also a matter of checking yourself and and realizing that, you know, if you if you win. You know, if you're able to string together a lot of wins in a row, that's going to help you out a lot. But you can't get you can't get too high in your own supply. You know, like you can't just sit there and be like, all right, we're good. We're good. We're sitting good here. Like, no, <laughs> that 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 four game win streak can turn into a five game losing streak like that. Then suddenly you're 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 back down in the middle of the pack or the bottom. So, uh, you know, for, for teams, it, it it's a matter of staying steady. Like, that's always the trick. Everybody's just like, you know, we got to stay steady, stick to our game. You know, all the boring quotes you always see. But it's really true in this case is that you can't let 
you can't get too too high on the wins and you cannot let losses spiral out of control because that's that's when the season gets away from you and that's when you can get buried i think that's one case where everybody jumping out just kind of frantic right now comes in comes in to help everybody out because you know you can lose a couple but like there's going to be four or five other teams that are going to be struggling too and they're going to be trying to figure themselves out so like if you if you kind of ease your way out of the gate you're in there with a pack of teams. You're probably you're okay to get things figured out in the meantime. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of pack, uh, before we get into talking a little bit on uh, the Sabers, um, this uh, this Eastern Division here. What do you think so far? Anything you know? I mean, we touched on the Flyers here a little bit, but you know, if you look at some of the other teams here, the Islanders, the Devils here going at it tonight. Uh, the Rangers have played the Isles and Devils so far. Uh, any storyline, whether it's Sid and the guys in Pittsburgh, anything that's standing out amongst some of the other teams here in this division so far that uh, has maybe piqued your interest? Yeah, you know, I, I look at Pittsburgh and it's they're they're interesting to me because obviously you got Sid, you got Malkin, and it's you know they they just got Casperi Kapanen back into the lineup, so I think that's going to give them a little bit of a jump. Uh, but I liked how, I like seeing you know Evan Rodriguez getting a, getting a bit of a lift there playing playing on Sid's line. I think that's you know that that that's the kind of thing we've seen all during Sid's career is that there's there's somebody that you know you may not expect to play on that line and then suddenly he's got a couple of goals and you're like hey all right this is this is pretty good but that's what makes him great. Um, but you know I see you know I see that you know that people are fr- you know Rangers fans are frustrated with the team Boston. Boston looks a little bit scary uh, for bad reasons <laughs> to start off. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you, I mean, obviously the D is a big question there, but they obviously miss Pasternak. That's, that's a big thing for me. Uh, it's good to see him back skating again. Uh, but like Washington, you know, Washington's got Washington's right up at the top, but you know, they haven't really totally impressed me. Um, I, I was, you know, they, I mean, they blew out Buffalo the one game they beat up on Pittsburgh, but you know, the two, you know, the two other games, it was just like, all right. Like, I guess, like, that's, I guess it's fine. <laughs> you know, like that it, it, it's you know, not, not nothing to really take away from, but you know, the, that's a team getting used to a new coach. Uh, the one that really impresses me though, is the devils on it. I don't know if that's because the expectations were so low. Um, but Lindy Ruff's got him. He's got, he's got him. He's got him going. And, you know, when there when there's a guy that 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 that's able to really coach up a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations going on going on him in the beginning of a season, boy, he's pretty good at that. I mean, I remember the Sabers back in 05-06, Everybody had them picked for bottom of the league, and they ended up being one of the best teams. But I'm not saying the Devils are going to be that kind of team, but uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's uh, but it's encouraging to see Jack Hughes look great. Um, I think that's a that's a big deal. Um, and if they, you know, if Blackwood continues to play really strong, I don't know, man, it, it's like we talked last week, they, they, they could be a real thorn in everybody's side, but you know, Islanders are steady, you know, Pittsburgh, we'll see what they're about. I, it, there's still so much to feel out. It's weird. It's, it's like we say, let's wait 10 games to see how it goes, but 10 games is a fifth of the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially now, um, your take on anything or thoughts on the Rangers here. Um, uh, you know, Quinn made a whole bunch of changes after game one. They came back strong in their second game there. And then, you know, talking about the Devils here, and I'm telling you right now, I don't need the Devils to be causing trouble in this division. <laughs> I'd written them, written them off once the schedule came out, buddy. But um, they, uh, you know, the Rangers out, you know, put 50 shots on them, and Blackwood played great and everything. But um, they struggled a little bit. And I guess uh, Ranger fans are going to have to kind of hang in here and watch this team kind of, you know, they're in this rebuild. And as far as the way Co- uh, Coach Quinn manages his changes. 
Yeah, and you know what? I mean, you're. I if I'm a Ranger fan, I'm encouraged to Panarin's the man still. Like that's great to see. I'm I'm really excited to see Buchnevich kind of kind of jump and take advantage of things early on. You know, Adam Fox is the real deal. Um, I, I would be, you know, be more excited to see Zabanajad get his legs underneath him and, and get it going here. Obviously, you want to see more out of Kreider. You want to see Kako do something, you know, do a little bit more here. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the kid, uh, Lafreniere, I mean, hey, you know, listen, the, he, he, you know, being a rookie, getting thrown into this into this league in this situation like this is it's got to be weird. Um, so, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens once he starts getting his, his stuff figured out here, but, um, you, you need, you need a little bit more offense. You obviously need a little bit more offense. They're, they're you know, trying to get the goaltending going, but that's, you know, that, that's something where the, the first few games is going to be really weird goaltending. I, I, I almost don't want to break down any goaltending until yeah. we're maybe halfway into the year, just because, you know, goalies need games and, you know, the early part of the season, Nobody has their defense schemes figured out. It's, it's going to be really wide open, so it's going to be really tough on them. But uh, you know, the 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 D, the D for me with the Rangers is going to be the big is going to be the big problem. And you know, we've already seen it. With, you know, D'Angelo took those terrible penalties uh, in the one game, and that you know that got him sat down. Um, you know, Jack Johnson's got a whole history of problems, you know, you know, the analytic community hates him. Um, his numbers aren't good to follow up, but if I'm encouraged, I'm encouraged by Keandre Miller. Uh, I know that first game of his was, was tough, but that's, that's nerves. Um, I would love to see him stand up and then, I don't know, they, they got to figure out a way to get Ryan Strom going, man. Oh man. I, you know, I know attaching him to Panarin last year was what seemed to keep him going. Um, I don't know that that patience is there <laughs> this time around, but they need points from him. They need him to get going. And I know that that was a bit of an issue last year where, you know, it seemed that, that a, if he wasn't playing with Panarin, he was a bit of a lost cause. But, I mean, they're kind of thin down the middle. And, you know, Zabana, you know, Zabanajad can take care of business himself. But, man, if Strom can't get it going, they're in a lot of trouble just because they don't have the center depth and the guys to really take care of business. I mean, you know, Brett Howden, you know, he's fine down, he's fine deeper. If it means Heedle can take off, that's great. Um, but I know that they were already kind of counting on Heedle be, to be like your number three center. But but if the, but if Strom struggles, leads the Heedle kind of having a breakout. I, I I'm not saying that's a trade off you necessarily are okay with. Given how much you're paying Strom, but um, but I think that's one you can you can deal with in the meantime, just to try to figure out a way to get Strom going. Problem is, Rangers' wing depth outside of that top six is pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, a little bit of a carnival going on here in Broadway, but uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how it pans out. And game by game, Ranger fans are just have their knuckles on the on the bar here and and uh, see how they're going. And uh, I think everybody just needs to relax a little bit. A lot of talent, as you just talked about and we'll see what kind of groove they can get into um all right so let's go uh let's touch on the sabers here before we let you go joe uh hometown mm-hmm. team up there in buffalo uh back-to-back losses uh, to the caps to start split with the flyers uh eichel's got six assists no goals to start here um the team's got 11 goals in three games totally they got um a couple big games now coming up with the caps again two more back-to-back and then with the rangers we just talked about uh rotating the goaltending a little bit as you were just talking about so we won't go uh in depth with that but um talk about coach kruger here uh and, and where do you think the team is at and and give me the the, the highs and lows uh, as far as joe yurden's concerned with the buffalo Sabres. 
Well, I, I like, you know, you, you love the way Hall and Eichel are playing. You know, Hall's a driver, Eichel's a driver. They they put Sam Reinhart back with those two on that top line, and that that that's one of the best lines in the league, flat out. Um, th- those three can get it done. Um, I'm a little disappointed with with Eric Stahl's production to start off. And there's a bit, it's a bit of a jumble there beyond the first line. But I mean that that storyline's nothing new in Buffalo. <laughs> that's that's been a thing the last few years where you know whoever's with Eichel can go, but after that it's a bit of a question. Um, we'll see if Stahl can get it going and get those guys started. I'm a little concerned with Victor Olafson. He struggles really badly at five on five. I mean he's great in the power play. We saw that. Uh, against the Flyers, he's able to wire it. I mean, we see we saw that all last year. He could wire it on the power play and score at will, seemingly. But five on five, he's really struggling. Jeff Skinner doesn't have any goals, but he's playing great. I mean, he's playing on a line with guys that 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 can't really produce points in Lazar and Riley Shahan. Uh, but but Skinner's Skinner is is making things happen um, on that line. And you know, you'd love to see him maybe play with Stahl, play up, you know, play a few more minutes up top in the in that lineup, but. Uh, but he's getting some offense out of those other guys. You know, Lazar had a couple goals against Philly. Um, you know, Skinner's getting his opportunities. Once they start going in, that's going to be great. Um, but I am worried about the goaltending. You know, Linus Allmark had to sit out the last couple of games because uh, he, he had to deal with the death of his father. His father's back in Sweden. Um, so he's he's kind of taking a break. Uh, Carter Hutton gets hurt in the last game against Philadelphia. He got He took an elbow in the face early in the second period in that game. And then he came out after, after the second Jonas Johansson, you know, he, he was so great in the AHL last year, but he seems to struggle a little bit at the NHL level. If they got to run with him for an extended amount of time, cause you know, we don't know when Allmark's going to be good to go. Um, he is going to Washington. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, but if they got to go with Jonas and yeah, they, they got, they got to call around on goaltending. They got to find somebody else because if they got to run with Johansson long-term, that's a problem. Um, and if he, and if even Johansson's got to be the backup, that's still an issue. Uh, if Hutton's got to be out. So, you know, I like the way that the, the, you know, the team defensively is playing, they're shutting down opportunities. You know, they ran into Brian Elliott who had, you know, pulls a shutout out of, out of nowhere, a 40 save shutout the other night. So like they played well in that game that you know, they blew out Philly in the first game. Uh, so they obviously played great there. They played great against the caps in the second game, you know, they lose two to one and that's a tough loss, but I think the Sabres are playing well. Get some goals, shore up the goaltending, and I think they'll be okay because I think, you know, Darlene started off pretty bad the first game and a half, but he's been pretty solid since then. So I I think they'll be fine. Then the division's not as scary looking as it was at the beginning of the year, but you don't want to wait for Boston to get going. You don't want to wait for some of these other teams to get hot uh, before you start figuring your stuff out. Get your points now and run. Yeah, no, it's a a huge point of it, and, I think all of us would love to see the Sabres, you know, just, you know, here I am talking about the Devils. I don't want them to cause trouble, but I, I think the Sabres, because of the, the, you know, because of a guy like Eichel and Hall and, and, and everything the Sabres have kind of been through here the last few years, um, you just, you want to see some positivity coming out of that, that squad for that city, that fan base. Um, I want to just ask you real quick, as far as Krug is concerned, what have you seen from him so far as far as him managing the bench? Um, you know, and, and all the things we talked about in the beginning with all the uh, other variations mm-hmm. and the stuff that's off the ice here in terms of, uh, you know, what's he been like in, in, in terms of his uh, pre- and post-game conferences and, and his confidence in the team? Oh, uh, he, I mean, his his confidence is always, you know, unwavering. And, I mean, he's he's a guy that's going to that, that's gonna get these guys, you know, propped up and, and, 
and ready to go. Um, you know, I, I know if the, a lot a lot of the fans have been a little bit concerned about uh, his usage of uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, which is, I mean, that's 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 like an every coach thing because you know because of the 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 thought is that the more minutes he plays, the worse the team does. Um, <laughs> but I think, but I think Ristolainen Ristolainen loves playing against Philadelphia. He loves playing against the Flyers because it means he can get out there and hit some guys and play strong defensively. And you know what? He and Jake McCabe have been pretty strong. Um, they're they're able to deny teams entry to the zone. Uh, they play really strong. You know, if you can prevent a team from getting into the zone and getting set up, then you know half your job's done. Um, and they've been able to do that. McCabe plays really strong in that respect. Uh, you know, and he plays a bit of a hard ass style too. So like that, that's worked out pretty well. Um, and that that's a nice thing. That's a nice thing to see. And uh, but as far as you know, as far as everything else, I mean. You know, listen. I think Kruger realizes that you know that they're getting some they're getting some bad luck right now offensively, um, and that if they stay steady with it, they're going to be okay. And I think I think they're in, in a spot where that's definitely the case. I mean, there aren't really any glaring issues right now. I mean, that you know that stuff will get figured out as as teams get their get their stuff squared away. But uh, but right now they're playing they're playing pretty well. Um, first game aside, but you know, Hey, whatever, first game, first game in, in almost a year, I think you can excuse it. But, um, but, uh, but I like how they like how they're dealing with it right now. I mean, I, you know, that, that's a key part. If they came out stinking it up out of the gate and played four really bad games, that'd be a bad thing, but they played three pretty strong games out of their four. So I think they'll, you take that and you just kind of try to build on it. I sound like Kruger putting it that way but it but like that's how but that but for a team that's missed the playoffs nine years in a row I mean that's kind of how you have to take it absolutely man well look they can have some fun against the Caps this weekend but uh you know they're playing the Rangers next week and things got might get a little hot between me and you uh when we get to talk next week after those couple of games but hey look man it's great for all of us hopefully all these teams just keep beating the hell out of each other and, and going back and forth and <laughs> And by the end of the year, going to the playoffs, uh, everybody will have a shot. Joe, as always, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. And until next week, have a great weekend, buddy, and stay safe, okay? Hey, you got it, Paulie. Always a good time, man. Thanks, brother. Joe Yurden, everybody. Follow Joe at Joe Yurden on the Twitter. And uh, he's the best, man. Sabres, baby. I'm pulling for him, man. Maybe not against my Rangers next week, but I'm pulling for him. Got any questions for the team at THS? Tag us at That Hockey Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear more of. And if you have anything negative to say, well, let's just hope you have good dental coverage. Because we're coming at you right now on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yeah, welcome back to THS, everybody. Every Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time here. THS Radio. Follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show. And check us out on the podcast, Apple and Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review. Anyway, it's time to bring our friend from the Midwest, Mr. Tab Bamford, on. Tab, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back to THS. How you doing? Oh, it is a beautiful 35-degree day in Chicago, as you would hope for. (laughs) In January, uh, cold outside, cold in the standings. Everything seems to be chilly in Chi-Town right now. It's nice uh, elements for uh, hockey, this game that we love. So, yeah, and, and somehow the Blackhawks aren't playing outdoors for once in a decade. So <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a trip, you know. It's funny you bring that up, man. I was wondering how you, you – I mean, 
Rangers did a bunch there, obviously from New York. Um, but, I mean, just the NHL there for a while with the Winter Classic, I was kind of getting concerned. It's like you just keep having the same teams. I mean, they're going to ruin this thing. Well, ratings sell. And for a while there, you know, you've got a big market. They were the dynasty. And I think just like we're all put through purgatory with watching the Cowboys and the Lakers and the Yankees Red Sox every flipping Sunday night, with all due respect to my Yankees fans out there, um, you put the big names out there. Uh, People want to see the big brand. And for a while, the Blackhawks were at the top of the mountain and there's obviously good good theater in trying to knock off the uh, the reigning king, but I think it now that we're five years past that era in Blackhawks history, I think uh, I think there are other teams that should certainly in other venues. I mean, hell, they should have. I've been saying for almost a decade that if they want to get stuff popping in Columbus, they've got the horseshoe. Why not do an outdoor game in Columbus, Ohio, with a with a young Blue Jackets team? Hosting somebody played on the campus at Ohio State, which is a you know a growing hockey school. They've had some successful guys going to the NHL. Find some other venues, find some other teams. Uh, but yeah, this year no Blackhawks outdoors, and I think you know, anyone who's watched them play so far is totally fine with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we will get to the Blackhawks towards the end of the segment here. So, what's your take here? We're we're a weekend about uh, just about teams sitting four games here. The the Knights are up there with uh, four wins. But um, your take on the play, um, uh, maybe a couple storylines from this division itself uh, that you see. I mean, have you? Uh, what's your take on, on the hockey itself away from the Blackhawks? But, uh, you know, from what you're saying, just get your take here now that we've got a full week into the season. Well, I mean, it, it, here's the, I think the central division more than any other division has been impacted by COVID hitting the National Hockey League. And so for – a number of teams, it, it's almost impossible to have a take. I mean, Dallas has not played a regular season game yet, even though they put regular season tickets on sale earlier this week. Like, hey, we might show up. Come buy tickets. Uh, so, you know, Tampa and Florida are sitting there with two wins apiece, but they've only played two games, and they've been against the Blackhawks. So, you know, it, it's nice when you can play a couple games and ratchet up five goals in each one. So their goal differentials are pretty. Now Carolina's dealing with COVID, so they're going to have some games that are going to have to get rearranged. Um, so I think of all the divisions, and certainly now it's hitting Washington, and I, I certainly don't believe that we're done with COVID reschedulings, but the Central's been hit harder than anybody. So it's really hard when you've got three teams that have been directly impacted already, and now Carolina is going to start missing some time to have a read on what the entire division looks like. But I mean, look, I think Detroit starting the year two and two is a really pleasant surprise for Red Wings fans. I think most people, when they started their preseason power rankings, had Detroit at the bottom and they've uh, their defense could use a little work. Uh, Certainly no one in Chicago can throw shade about defense right now, but but they found a way to win a couple games. And so, you know, bully to them for being able to find a way to be two and two so far and uh, with the COVID issues that other teams are going to have to deal with um, you know it's going to be interesting to see how this division is able to realign everything knowing that they only play each other with teams like Dallas and now Carolina having to reschedule a lot of stuff yeah I mean I don't know until your team is affected by it you know um, and your city here 
it's it's an interesting take on it. I mean, just the whole thing with COVID and sports itself, and now it's happening here in the NHL. And you have to wonder, as a league, if if the other teams continue to advance here, and you got a couple of clubs that are going to you know uh, you know fall behind with um, you know due to COVID. I can only imagine what this might be ending up like uh, down the road. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, look, you saw it in Major League Baseball with, you know, right out of the gate almost with the Marlins having to postpone a bunch of stuff. I think, look, the, the NHL put some things in place this season to help teams weather a storm like this. There's a taxi squad for a reason. Um, but it, what, what really becomes paramount is when you look at the division standings for the Central Three of the teams have played four games already. Dallas obviously still has a donut, and Tampa and Florida have only played two. And so Tampa and Florida benefit from having won their first two games, and the Blackhawks have fallen way behind being 0-3-1-4 and and when you know half of the more than half of the division hasn't even gotten to four games yet. So I think it's going to put more pressure on teams when they can play to make those games impactful in the standings at least get it to overtime if not you know try and get out of victory but knowing that there are going to be some rearrangements of schedule and you're going to possibly start looking at some three three games and three nights scenarios for some teams because you just you can't push this thing back for one division in the june um but when you play you got to make hay uh, i think that's the that's the uh cliche that you put on a t-shirt for the central division when you get on the ice you got to make it count and so far a couple teams have done a good job uh nashville's been you know pretty good so far but there are other teams certainly columbus and chicago that are looking up and really need to start getting on the wagon here or they're going to fall behind quickly yeah i mean next week when we get back on the air here together we'll <clears throat> teams will almost have uh, uh 10 games and we start to see uh progression or uh just a futility if, if uh, and that's the scary thing now in terms of how to, to approach this. It's not a long 82 game season. It's a short and 56 game season um, in, in terms of uh, how teams are going to progress. And, and let's just go to the Hawks right now. Um, I mean, granted, Dallas hasn't played yet. They got nothing. Uh, but the Hawks equally have nothing, too. But um, two games versus the Bolts here and, and two against the Cats. Um, 20 goals against in four games. Um, sorry to bring up the bad stuff. Uh, nine goals, four. Uh, rotating the goaltend a little bit here too with Subin and Subban and uh, Delia and Lankin and just um, your take in terms of what you've seen the struggles and I guess for somebody who's not a Hawks fan and and you know we talked about them being so you know popular there years ago and winning the cups and everything and and where maybe explain where the the Hawks are as far as you know Taze and Kane the old guard and they're still young kids but um you know mixing in with the the new direction that um you know, Coach Colleton has to take them in. Well, I think the the first place that you look with the Blackhawks is Coach Jeremy Colleton. Um, the way that the schedule's lined up this year, you're going back-to-back pretty much every night. You're going to have maybe a night off in between, but you're going to be playing games in a city. You're going to get a couple shots at the Apple. And so there's, I think this regular season, coaching will be as critical as it's been in a long time during the regular season and eyeballs will be on coaches that are able to make adjustments because you're going to make adjustments in game, but then you're going to have to make adjustments between games because you're going to turn right, right back around and see the same team 24, 48 hours later. 
And so if you go out and lay an egg, as the Hawks certainly did in the opener against Tampa, you're going to want to see some tweaks. You're going to want to see some changes and some improved play. Certainly the actual on-ice product comes from the players, but you're going to want to see some scheme changes and some systemic changes if things were getting abused. And right now Chicago is still trying to figure it out. You mentioned you know, the old guard versus the young kids with no Jonathan. There are two guys that are missing represent both ends of the spectrum. Jonathan Taves is out right now with medical issues. He's off the grid completely. So your captain, one of the great captains of this generation in the National Hockey League, one of the great competitors in the game, is missing. You've got a, a, Even though you've got other solid veterans in the room, that's a huge leadership void to try and fill. And then the other end of the spectrum, Kirby Doc broke his wrist in a warm-up game against Russia for the World Juniors, and he's out, and he's going to miss probably the entire regular season after having wrist surgery. And he was really looking at being that guy who is the face of the next generation in Chicago and probably a center on your first or second line, depending on how Calton wants to divvy up the ice time. So you got two huge holes to fill, uh, both from a leadership perspective and also an on-ice perspective. So then that passes along the responsibilities for play and leadership to other folks like Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. Up front right now, the Blackhawks are rolling Pius Suter, who's a rookie that they brought over from the Swiss League at, at the one center spot. And you're just you're trying to figure out where the chemistry is going to come from. With no preseason, you're still learning each other on the fly here in-game. And again, 56-game season, it's condensed. Uh, you don't have a lot of turnaround between games. So you're going to have to figure this stuff out pretty quick, and it's still a searching process for the Blackhawks. Uh, but they did insert uh, a rookie named Philip Kurashev into the lineup recently. He's looked terrific. Uh, he's skating uh, in, in the top six. So you're starting to see that next wave. I think you know we previously talked about Ian Mitchell, rookie defenseman, who's looked strong. So it's, there's going to be a trial by fire. The, the front office has already owned the fact that they're entering a rebuild stage here. So... Uh, you want to see better play. Obviously, you don't want to continue averaging five goals against per night. Uh, you want to compete. It's got to be less than half of that. Uh, but they're growing pains, and you're seeing a lot of them right now in Chicago. But I think the expectation is that as they find some chemistry and start to settle in, you're going to be more competitive because, really, they've they've been competitive in one of the four games so far. That went to overtime, and they still lost to Florida. So you need to see a better compete level, and that comes from the leaders that are left stand, stepping up and dragging some of these kids with them, uh, and then the coach making adjustments in-game and between games when you've got a back-to-back against a common opponent. And, and what's your take on, on Colin here? Obviously, Quenville there for years and all the success and the championships and the experience and everything else. Um, maybe just tell me and, and maybe give some fans here a little background on, on, on where Colin comes from and you know how he's managing this team so far in, in terms of, his his experience, his past experience. Yeah, so fun story. Jeremy Calton actually played uh, uh, way back in the day uh, as a kid with Brent Seabrook. So you've got a guy coaching a team who is, I believe, younger than Duncan Keith. Um, had some concussion issues. He was drafted by the Islanders. Uh, he's, he bounced out of the NHL, got his coaching start over in the Swiss League, and now he's kind of been thrown into the unenviable, uh, I would submit, unwinnable situation of replacing 
a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greatest to ever stand behind the bench in Quinville. Um, and he's been handed a team that has lots of issues, more issues than Sports Illustrated. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and he's trying to take this kind of grab bag of pieces and trying to make it work. Um, and so it, it's an uphill battle for him. Uh, I think trying to, the other thing that's hard, not only is he following Quinville in the eyes of the fans, but also in the room, they've got systems, the, the veteran core and the leadership uh, has been playing in some very similar systems under Quinville for a decade. And now they bring in a guy who wants to kind of instill his own system and, and do things maybe a little bit differently. And that doesn't always work. You know, the old cliche about teaching an old dog new tricks. Teaching an old hockey player new systems is not the easiest thing in the world. So uh, it's a tough spot. Um, I think that there have certainly been times that your eyebrows are raised and you, and you question some things. You know, Dominic Kubalik was a finalist for the Calder last year. He's a 30-goal guy in his rookie season. Opening night, he was stapled to the bench most of the night. Ended up with under nine minutes of ice time, and a lot of people were like, you're chasing three or four goals the whole night, and one of you don't have a lot of offense you're trying to figure out some chemistry. And one of the guys that kind of, you know, honestly pushed the boat along offensively last year, gets stapled to the bench and he's on the second power play unit. You know, what, what, what are, what are we doing here? Uh, so uh, there have been times that, you know, last year it took him a while to figure out where to slot Kubelik in the lineup. He probably would have gotten closer to 35 goals if he'd been skating with Taves and, a top six role the entire season, but he found himself a healthy scratch a few times and then the bottom six role pretty much until Christmas. So there are some decisions that make you scratch your head. Um, obviously, there are reasons for what he does. He wants to see more from guys. He wants to motivate guys, and I think that's one of the things that a young coach has to figure out is how to motivate some of these players and what it takes to get them to take it to another level. And uh, we saw another level from Kubalik against the Panthers when he had a couple – couple snipes that found the back of the net finally. So, um, again, un, unenviable, unwinnable position to follow Quinville, especially with the group of players that he has wandering into a rebuild coming out of a dynasty. But obviously you want to see growth from him as much as you want to see growth from the young players. I think when you're rebuilding, you're trying to develop a culture as an organization and build on what you had, but also instill something new. Uh, and so right now with a two-year extension sign before the regular season started, You've got some time. Now it's up to Carlton to really make his voice heard and show that he's leading these guys. Um, and so we'll see how that develops over this season because so far it's been a rough start. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, last thing I want to ask you about here, you know, because I see you're on Twitter too as much as I am, uh, having a lot of fun. Um, I mean, they're losing their shit here in New York with the Rangers, uh, uh, you know, one and two after three games. And, uh, you know, you love seeing the, the fan base uh, on Twitter. So how's the fan base are they, you know, Ranger fans here, all of us here, you know, the rebuild, and, and we've obviously got a lot more talent, and I think they're uh, ahead of the game here as they should be as far as they are on, on paper with the lineup they have and the mix of the, the prospects that they've, they've been able to put in and obviously getting Lafreniere here in the draft. But where where's the, uh, the Hawks fan base? Because there was a massive um, gap of success before the, the cup runs there with Coach Q and, and Taze and Kaner and all the guys. Where's the fan base now, uh, even at 0-4 in this 56-game season so far? 
Well, you know, I, I, I've jokingly tweeted and, and said to people a few times that when the Blackhawks and Red Wings play this weekend in front of an empty United Center, it'll feel like 2005. Um, <laughs> because there were literally games that you would go to and sit in the 300 level and you were socially distanced. Uh, <laughs> you, you had, you know, four or 5,000 people there. And now a lot of hockey fans can't fathom the Blackhawks playing in front of less than 21,000 people. Homer on the road, it, it, it's a party. Uh, but there was a time not too long ago where there was nobody there, and you could literally yell something from the 300 level and have somebody text you and see if it was you that they heard on the broadcast. So, um, look, I, I think what's, what's unique about all sports fans is that they really fall into three categories. Uh, you've got the eternal optimists, you've got the eternal pessimists, and you've got the realists. Um, there's a segment of the Chicago blogosphere and social media around the Blackhawks that um, have had their dissension from the jump that, you know, had problems with how Dale Talon was replaced by Stan Bowman, have questioned every move that Bowman has made, um, have questioned even the leadership of Taves and Keith and Kane and Seabrook along the way. Um and now, you know, they're just sitting back saying, I told you so 10 years later. You've got the Eternal Optimist crew that is like, oh, Kirishev's going to be an all-star in two years uh, because of two games. Um, so there's always the glass half full, glass half empty. And then I think one of the reasons that you want to see some front offices, and certainly I think the Blackhawks and Rangers have been pretty open about things. When you enter a rebuild stage, be honest with the fans and just tell them what's up. Yeah. Uh, and acknowledge where you're at with, with the situation. And I think most realists in Chicago came into the 21 season knowing that, especially in the wake of the injuries, and you know Alex Nylander is also missing, and Brent Seabrook hasn't played yet because he has another back issue. I think when you take guys like Seabrook and Nylander and to a much greater extent Taves and Doc out of the lineup, you know that it's an uphill climb. You know, when when even the media has to have a lineup sheet in front of them to recognize the numbers of the Walmarts of the world and the suitors of the world, you know, you have to be real and understand that there are going to be some rough nights. Kids like Adam Boquist and Ian Mitchell are going to have their rough nights. A lot of fans in Chicago don't remember back in the early mid two thousands when Keith and Seabrook were babies, they had rough nights too. Um, and so having some patience, uh, having, you know, certainly media members remind people that not everyone comes in and looks like Connor McDavid has or Sidney Crosby or certainly Kane and Taves have. You know, I think we've been blessed with a lot of high draft picks coming in to the NHL and hitting the ground sprinting and looking like the world beater that you expect them to be. And that puts a lot of pressure on guys like Lafreniere to come in and look like Connor McDavid because of all the hype. Um, but I think the real there's a I would say it's probably 60 20 20 with those buckets. 60 percent of Chicago is probably aligning with the realist. Um, but I think even if you're a realist, five goals a game, four games in uh, any stretch in any season, if you give up five goals, four games in a row, um, if you're a realist, you want to see more. You want to see better. You need to see consistent improvement even during a rebuild. And right now you really haven't seen it out of Chicago. So I think that that even that middle-of-the-road realist group uh, is hoping for more and expecting more. And we'll see what, what we get against the Detroit team that a lot of people, again, preseason felt like Chicago and Detroit were going to be a couple teams that were 
battling to ride the tank in the uh, lottery uh, this summer. So uh, we'll, not, back on home ice, obviously not 21,000 people there. It'll be a unique animal. It'll be different for all these guys. But you want to see better effort. You don't want to see five goals against. So uh, we'll, we'll see how the fan base survives through uh, a full season of this rebuild. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it. And I'm look, looking forward to your tweets and reaction to their reactions, man, because that's the fun stuff. Yeah, two against Detroit. Maybe they can uh, cause some trouble there. And then they got the back-to-back coming up against Nashville, too, before they uh, play Columbus. But uh, all good stuff. So next week when we get back here, we'll have a couple more games to talk about. Tab, always appreciate you doing this with me. And uh, I can't, wish, uh, can't thank you enough. Look forward to next week. Have a super weekend. And, uh, and stay healthy, buddy. Sounds good. You, too. We'll talk soon. And next time, bring us a call from me, bud. Absolutely. (laughs) Take care, buddy. Tab Bamford, everybody, right here at THS. That Hockey Show is always live and archived at THSradio.com. Follow us everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at That Hockey Show. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you podcast. Now, let's get back to the ice with your line mates on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yeah, welcome back to THS. Every Thursday we're here, 12 p.m. Eastern Time to 1.30. And right now, it's time to bring in our brother from the northern border, Costa, Paulie here in New York. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Paulie. How are you? I'm good, man. Outside of, uh, and you, you know this very well, doing this for years, technical issues, but it oh, is yeah. what it is, and we roll on. <laughs> of course. Water off a duck's back, baby. Water off a duck's back. Ah, uh, unbelievable. So, look, pal, how you doing, man? How's your week? Uh, what do you think of this NHL season so far? So far, it's good. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing, especially from my local Montreal Canadiens. It's, uh, other than last night's little hiccup, and the opening game against Toronto, I kind of like what I saw. Um, they got to stay out of the box because they're getting hammered on the PK. But other than that, I mean, they're they're firing all cylinders. Five on five looks great. The power play is starting to look really, really good, which is something that this city's been looking for for like years. You know, I've been complaining that they didn't have a quarterback on the power play, and all of a sudden they've got like four of them. So you know, it's about time that they got somebody in the back end that can quarterback that power play, a la Andre Markov back in the glory days. Um, you know, you look at the Leafs, and the Leafs, the Leafs are an enigma, man. I, I can't even figure out what's wrong with this team. One minute they look <laughs> like they're, you know, they're they're unstoppable, and the next minute, you know, they lose a hockey game against a team they have no business losing against, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. I couldn't believe it. I was I was beyond shock last night. It's like you lose three one. How did that happen? You know, it's just you know, you look up and down the Canadian division. It's it's kind of weird. I mean, you look at Calgary, or should I say the former Canucks, because they've got half their defense on their roster now. <laughs> I, they're, they're, they're firing it all cylinders. The Canucks, okay, they won last night in a shootout against the Habs, and they're going at it again tonight. But, you know, if they're not on the power play, they're not generating anything. So the key to winning, stay out of, stay, stay out of the Feldy box. Don't yeah. trip the rest, stay out of the Feldy box, and you'll beat <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> the Jets, I mean, the, the Hellebuck looks horrible to start the season. He he doesn't look anywhere near his 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 former glory, man. His 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 stock's starting to drop. And Winnipeg's got no defense. Like I told you the last show, their defense is just it's as poor as the Swiss cheese. So you know they're going to have a hard time getting through the season. And you know, and then there's lo and behold, there's Edmonton, aka Maple Leafs West. Those teams 
Those are identical. They either get great goaltending from Toskanen or they get horrible goaltending from Koskinen. They've got no defense and all kinds of offense. What do you get from them? If they're not scoring goals, they're not winning hockey games. It's as simple as that. They don't have the they don't have the strength to be able to hold anybody off. And you know, if they get behind the eight ball and they you know they allow a couple of goals, you know they're going to try to open it up. Their defense can't support that. So you know that's where these teams are starting to get hammered by teams that are better structured and have the depth like a Montreal or a Calgary. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not like asking everybody that comes on the show today, their buddy, about you know in terms of. You know, with two, three games, four games in for these teams right now, <clears throat> you know, just noticing how these teams are either getting their legs, not getting their legs. Um, the coaches' frustrations with uh, line, you know, consistency of lines, goaltending, um, you know, how these guys are, are playing together and, and put that against the backside of this is a shortened season. Um, it's not too many room for error here out of the gate. You're, and, and you don't have, like in the past where, you know, you can get out of your division and hopefully go play somebody else in another division or the other conference to maybe pick up a couple of scrap points here and there. Uh, every every win loss now is just you know it's 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 huge because it's going to affect uh, you know how things end up, especially here in a fifty six game season. What's your, what's your take on, on some of the gameplay? I know you weren't happy with open night a little bit, but since then it sounds like you're uh, you're kind of pumped to see where things are going. Yeah, I, I love the depth on on the Habs, and and but this is this goes on to every team, like Paul. You know, I haven't I haven't coached teams myself for the better part of fifteen years. I mean, one of the things that you love to do is game plan as a coach, right? You know your lines, you know what they're capable of, you know what they're not capable of, you know what your matchups are, and you know how to get them out there as quickly as possible, so you have those matchups that you want. You know, you hear it all the time, but until you actually live that, you don't really understand it. And having gone through it myself, right? You're looking at video, you're looking at trends, you're looking at They've got no time for that. And so what you're going to get, especially in the case where you're playing back-to-back, then you have a game off and back-to-back, and then another one like Montreal does. You know, they played last night, they're playing Vancouver tonight, and then they're playing Vancouver again on Saturday. Well, if that's the case, you have no time to game plan. You're pretty much riding off the seat of your pants trying to figure out game by game by game what, what you know adjustments you can make. It's like making in-game adjustments for three straight games. And no coach wants to be able to do that because at the end of the day, it's so hard to track. And then once you have a day or two, you know, you're forced to give the guys a day off because, you know, they've been playing so many games. You're sitting there trying to game plan. And then you don't have time to practice to be able to implement the game plan you want against the next opponent. So, you know, I get the fact that they want to compress schedule. I get the fact, you know, everybody's in the same division. and You're looking at the same teams over and over again. But if you want to have success early on, You've got to be have, have to have the time to be able to game plan properly. Otherwise, you're going to keep meeting these teams for the first time, and you're never going to be able to adjust. You're only going to be able to adjust two or three series down the road when the season's almost over. Yeah, I mean, and that's just going to be the, uh, you know, as fans and commentators on the game too, we got to sit back and we got to watch this in terms of, um, you know, how how invested or concerned do you need to be if your team is struggling right now more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the past, ah, it's only, it's only, it's only three games in, so let's just chill here. And then you look up at the schedule and you've got another back to back, you know, uh, with another, you know, the only team, the only teams you're playing are in your division. So you put your head down a little bit and you look up what's coming up at you. Um, and, and you're not going to have that, that, that time. What's your take on, 
on 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 that level of concern as a fan base or you know just watching these teams right now in a 56 game season whether you can't flip out right now you know just joking around obviously down here in New York Ranger fans are losing their crap over you know the changes Quinn's making obviously out of the gate here the first couple of games and I feel, you know, across the board, everybody's going to be different. You know, the way Claude's going to run his bench, and everybody's bench is going to run better um, as far as their record's concerned and as far as their production. What's your vibe right now in terms of how everybody should kind of, you know, watch their teams right now and how they should handle their either um, their success or lack of success here in the first three or four games? Well, I'll say I'll start off by saying this. Whatever I might say right now does not apply to the city of Montreal in any way, shape, or form, because there's not a fan in this city that doesn't, doesn't want this team to win every game. Like they uh-huh. want this team to go 56 and 0, which you and I both know is impossible. You know, so if somebody sneezes on the ice, you know, Twitter explodes and like, oh my god, how could he sneeze in the corner? What's wrong with him? He should have sneezed in the slot. You know, and that's how 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 intense this city is when it comes to that kind of stuff. But the, the guy who's not just looking at it from a wins and loss perspective and looking at it from long term, right? You've got to look at, at this season as your first 10 games are essentially your training camp. You know, you don't have any exhibition games to go through. You don't have any practices. So the first 10 are going to dictate what your team's going to look like long term. It's either, you know, they've gotten their identity. They've gotten a few wins into their belt. You know, they made a couple of adjustments to try to get a little bit more success. And then, you know, your team is going to be in the right frame of mind to continue the season and end the last 46 games of the season. But then if they don't get out of the gate and they don't adjust, you know, and there's going to be teams that don't, you know, early on, if you've got success, you're not adjusting anything like any coach would do. Right. You don't you don't change a winning formula. But what happens when that formula after your you know first six or seven games goes awry? You don't know what happens after that. So, you know, you're, you're going to be scrambling after the 10-game mark going, okay, what do I have to adjust? What do I have to adjust? And to boot, I think the most important thing that the coaches have done is they've given their guys roles. And they're trying to keep those guys within those roles so that they control their benches better and not have to worry down the road. Now, if you have a couple of injuries that come up, and if you do that guy in that particular role, say in Montreal's case, a Phil Deneau goes down, he's your best defensive forward. Do you have somebody on your taxi squad that could fill in? No. So can you call up somebody from the American Hockey League? Nope. What do you do at that point? You've got to work it from within. And it changes the whole dynamic of your roster, and it starts to change the whole dynamic of your bench. So the idea is you've got to stay relatively healthy. You've got to rest guys from your regular lineup with guys from the taxi squad to make sure you give them some relative freshness going through this quick season. And then you've got to keep your fingers crossed. And that's the only way any of these teams and any of our fans are going to be able to get through this season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And how do you think Claude's run on the bench so far? Well, look, there's four of them back there. Claude's not run, Claude doesn't run anything. He essentially <laughs> turns around and he gives, he gives Kirk Muller his job. He gives Dom Ducharme his job. And he gives Luke Richardson their, his job. And he delegates. He oversees everything. But he's got three guys. Each one of them can be a head coach in the National Hockey League. That's a gift to have. And so he delegates to those three guys. They have feedback. They come back to him. They talk about it. And in that sense, I think Montreal's got a bigger step on some of the other teams. Maybe with the exception of Vancouver. Uh, not Vancouver. Here I go again with Edmonton, who have Tippett, uh, Galitzin, and uh, Kitchen behind the bench. All three of them, of course, having head coaching experience in the National Hockey League. I mean, if you've got that kind of bench, you're going to be okay. You've got a younger bench. It may be a little bit of a problem down the road, but Cole's going to be fine. Awesome stuff. And I want to ask you, you got two more coming up now against Vancouver. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first three-game set out of this. Um, a wild game last night. As far as, you know, I didn't get to watch the game, but do, is there um, – I guess what I'm asking is, with with two more games coming, it's almost like a half of a playoff series, right? What right. was the level of emotion in the games last night between the two teams, you know, teeing up for these next two games this weekend? Well, I think, the, given the fact that this thing went 6-5 into a shootout, I mean, the level of emotion was clear. You got a guy like Tyler Toffoli got off the schneid, got his first three goals of the season. Uh, you got Isperi Kakanyemi, you got goal and assist, his first goal of the season. You know, the guys were energetic. It was a fun game to watch. There was a lot of good action. The only thing for Montreal is, and this is an adjustment that I know Claude knows he's going to make, is they got to clog up the middle a little bit. Guys like Brock Besser and Bo Horvat can't sit freely in the slot taking shots on the power play. Their box has to tighten up on the power play to make sure those guys in prime scoring position in the slot don't get the puck. Keep it to the outside like they did against the Oilers where they completely nullified McDavid and, uh, and Dreisaitl. And they'll be perfectly fine. The rest of the game plan can stay the same. But energy-wise, it's been a weekend, and everybody is flying. There's not a single game, in my opinion, that I've watched. And I've watched games outside of uh, the, the uh, I don't want to call it the Scotia division. I mean, it's, it's you know, the action's great. Whether the team's young or the team's older or the team's a contender or not a contender, the action's good. The guys are all engaged, and that's the most important thing you want to see from all these players. They have to be engaged, and that's what keeps it fresh. Uh, that's good stuff, man. It's um, it's great to hear, and especially watching, um, you know, um, you know, I'm focused down here, obviously, with the Rangers and the Islanders and the Eastern Division here too, and 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 just trying to you know scan through highlights as much as we can. Uh, to pick up other games, but it's uh, it's definitely great to see that the game's picking up. And man, you know I love it, man. I love to see that the Habs are uh, mixing it up here a little bit, and uh, you know getting you excited in the fan base. And hopefully they'll keep this up as we as we continue to do this every week with you, man. But um, you know it's uh, it's all fun stuff, man. And and like I said, we get into ten games and stuff. It'll it'll start to be real interesting. Costa, man, as always, thank you so well, much it- for your take on this. Really appreciate you uh, joining me here this afternoon. Have a great week and enjoy the games, and uh, can't wait to uh, speak to you, with you again next week, buddy. Yeah, we'll be past that 10-game mark next week, so, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Have a great weekend, man. Take care. You too. Costa, ladies and gentlemen, joining us here on THS as he does every week. Got any questions for the team at THS? Tag us at That Hockey Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear more of. And if you have anything negative to say, well, let's just hope you have good dental coverage. Because we're coming at you right now on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yeah, welcome back to THS, everybody. That hockey show every Thursday here at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. If we're not live, we'll definitely be taped. Today we're taped, but uh, anyway. Uh, follow us at, at That Hockey Show and subscribe. Do all that great stuff on the podcast. But right now, it's time to, to head out west and hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, right here on THS. Steve O, Paul here in New York. How you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. How you doing today? I'm good. You know, uh, knowing you for so many years, just got off with Tab there before and, and, and Costa and, and Joe Yurden there earlier, uh, you know, firing this podcast stuff again, uh, this stuff up again with technical issues. It happens, man. So we had, we, I wanted oh, us to course, be live man. today. So 
So we're taping. But anyway, how you doing, man? Everything going good? Let me ask you this right out of the gate, man. Um, and we'll get to your Devils later, beating up my Rangers yeah. the other night. But um, yeah. your take now, we're about three, four, four games in for most of the teams here. Uh, what's your take on the hockey so far from, from opening night to, to now, from, from what you've gotten to be able to tune into? I mean, I've, I've watched quite a bit of hockey, uh, and I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. I think, uh, you know, first couple games, you saw a little bit of that rust on some on uh, some things. And now you're seeing like um, you're seeing it start to like settle out. Uh, teams are starting to play better. They're starting to um, find their rhythm. And it's it's been fun. It's been good stuff to watch. Yeah, and anything um, as far as, you know, you know, I'm bringing you on here every week and we're talking about this Western division here too. Uh, Vegas obviously out to the uh, undefeated 4-0 start here. And um, yep. this division so far not necessarily uh, being affected by the COVID situation. It's starting to rear its ugly head here in the east with the Caps and, and obviously down south with uh, Texas, uh, Dallas, I should say, and, and the Canes and stuff. But um, uh, what's a storyline or two outside of the Knights here? Um, or if you want to start with them, man, maybe just maybe be impressed by, you know, how they're, how they're playing so far. I mean, they are every bit the juggernaut that, that we thought they would be. Uh, Mark Stone is on another level. Uh, having the, the, the two headed dragon in between the pipes, uh, is working out well with, with Flurry and, uh, and Leonard. Um, they're just kind of steamrolling teams. They're averaging four goals a game. They're giving up less than two goals a game. Um, they they just look really tough right now. Obviously, they haven't they haven't had it you know run into some of the stronger teams in the West, but uh, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. They're definitely going to be one of the top three teams for sure at the end, if not uh, one of the top two. They they're unbelievable to to watch. Although yeah. I'm not a big fan of those gold jerseys. They look kind of weird. Yeah, you know the Preds did that a long time ago when they when yeah. released them. It was like you know I I think been there done that you know. But hey. Right. We've talked about it here, and, and I'm sure you've been on other podcasts too. I mean, the team's got to find ways to bring in revenue. So, just yeah, absolutely. All these retro jerseys, something else to buy, something else to kind of to market and get people interested in. Uh, but I haven't tuned into a Knights game yet, but I'll, I'll be looking forward. I always loved the Preds gold at home, you know, <laughs> and yeah. and with the fans with the yellow towels and everything. I mean, it was just an incredible sight to see. I mean, hopefully. You know, we'll see what happens with with Vegas down the road once we get some fans back into the building. But uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you, man. It's uh, very Vegas. Know. Yeah, very <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> Too much. Um, Colorado gets a couple wins here. St. Louis is doing it. Minnesota also with three wins too. I mean, it's kind of tough. I mean, I'll ask you, Steve. You know, it, we're only three games in, and. You know, joking around, and we'll get to it later with the Rangers and the Devils. And as far as Ranger fans, you know, you know, losing it here. As far as you know, uh, the changes that you know Quinn's making here and adjustments and stuff. Uh, but it's only three games. I want to ask you, what's your take? It's fifty-six game season here, but should fans start flipping out this early, or should everybody kind of chill out a little bit and let this breathe a little bit? I mean, what's your take so far? Uh, you know, after these four games, in terms of uh, how fan bases should kind of chill, like whether it's you know, especially in LA and in Anaheim right now in terms of the starts that the Kings and the Ducks have had? You know, it's tough because you play five, six games, that's 10% of the season already. So, you know, there was no preseason. There was, uh, other than their, their in-house scrimmages to try to get a feel. A lot of these teams, especially Ducks and, and Kings, are working in a lot of younger players. Um, but I, I think there there is 
you can, if your team is playing well, you can be cautiously, cautiously optimistic. And if your team is playing poorly, um, you, you should, you know, temper your, you know, you know, that as well with some, you know, it, my team just might be that bad. I mean, I've watched uh, the Ducks and the Kings play, and I, and the, I don't think I'm going to see much improvement from the, the Ducks, to be honest with you. The Kings, I can see them improving. They, they've been competitive. The Ducks just can't score any goals. So I think if I was a Ducks fan, I would be very concerned. Uh, Minnesota's an interesting case. I think you're seeing a lot of good things from them, more than I thought we would find that Kapil Kiprasov kid is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not a kid. He's, he's a man, but <laughs> he's, he's a rookie. Amazing is uh, the key word that I was lashing on to, no doubt. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I've been impressed with them. Defensively, they're, you know, they're, they're solid. They're scoring the goals when they need to. And, um, you know, I, well, as far as the, the teams at the top of the division, you know, St. Louis is a little concerning, especially with the goaltending situation there. I, I thought they'd come out a little bit stronger. Um, so that may be something that for fans to be concerned about. That was a problem that they had in the playoffs as well uh, when they were in the bubble. Um, Colorado getting you know beat and then coming out and just spanking St. Louis. I, I think you'll see a lot more of that as the season goes on. And then, of course, obviously we talked about Vegas and, and how strong they're going to be. So um, we're starting to, to kind of see the, the character of these teams, but yet they haven't worked their way through the entire schedule. So I think once they kind of play each each team in the division, you'll get it the best feel of uh of how the season's going to go the rest of the way yeah no doubt about it anything that um let's talk kings here and ducks uh, as far as you know the coaching staffs here there's another thing i'm asking all the guys here today is is how you you see uh, you know the challenge here for us as commentators and fans you know whether you react positively negatively um you know three four games in here uh, and we're just we're just you know yelling and screaming at line changes or losses or you know performance on the ice in terms of how guys are playing special teams and everything else. The mm-hmm. coaches and the coaching staff here, they've got so much more to deal with, um, with regards to how they've had to just they really didn't have that full training camp. If you have an injury, if you don't have chemistry out of the gate, and you bring up a great point, like I said, five, six games out of the season, and you got a huge percentage of this 56-game season already, you know, starting to chunk away at it. Um, yeah. How, how, what have you seen in, in terms of um, how coaches are doing? Anything that stood out for you, maybe some pre- and post-conferences or um, you know, uh, some of the – because you got some great coaches here in this division, but it's, um, it's, it's, got, it's, so much, it's so extra challenging for these guys – you know, they've got all this extra stuff to deal with. You know, like, just look at what, mm-hmm. you know, the Caps have to deal with now with this, uh, you know, this COVID thing with the guys and that crew. And right. um, and now, like, Thornton going down for the Leafs now, and, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. And Boston waiting for Pasternak to come back. All those little things. So, in short, uh, talk about maybe your your view of the coaching angle here so far. You know, I think it's 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 tougher to manage for the, the teams like uh, – that, that have the more established rosters because uh, the way that the, it works between the flipping between the taxi squad and, and the regular roster, I think, you know, teams like, you know, Eakins and McClellan, they have a little bit easier because they've got a very young roster um, and they have the expectations are a lot lower. So they're just basically trying to find who can play the NHL game. And, you know, I know a lot of people uh, wanted to see Trevor Zegris or, or Drysdale with the ducks, but I think they're going to, they're just going to take that slow and work in these vets that they have. I, it, I, I mean, I don't envy the job of these coaches right now. They've, they've got a lot to try and to deal with, especially when it comes to um, keeping your, your roster healthy, uh, keeping the best product on the ice, and then managing those guys that are in the taxi squad and uh, uh, in the, the minor league. 
I hear you, man. No doubt about it. It's uh, it's very interesting to 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 see, and and we all here have to just kind of, you know, um, you know, hold on. And I guess we can maybe turn into the the devils and the ranges here too. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, and, and we're on Twitter together too. All the all the guys here on the show uh, have a lot of fun, and and you know, busting chops. And then you can see, um, and it's such a small percentage of the fan base. But it is a rip to see how fans react. And obviously, uh, the Devils come into the Garden the other night after the Rangers had shut out. You know, they make some changes uh, uh, against the Islanders there. They shut out the Islanders in game two. And let's say they're probably pounding their chest. They come in and they're, you know, the Devils aren't really been, um, you know, written down as a favorite this year in terms of all the changes. And obviously, Lindy's coming in there and a uh, veteran coach and stuff. But um, face 50 shots, um, they win the game. After the game, Rangers, you know, fan base is just losing their shit, man. They're just, they're, you know, and they, they, the team played pretty well. They, they, they played they great. Didn't, they didn't play so well defensively on the goals. I mean, the Devils, Hughes just took advantage of their chances and they buried them. Um, but I want to get your take here on, on the kick in terms of, again, how the fans are reacting uh, so far. And let's get into your take right now in terms of how the Devils have played these first couple of games. Well, as far as you know, how the fans react, we know hockey fans, they're all going to react. Uh, it's, you know, football has the Monday morning quarterback. NHL's got the right after the game. I mean, you have all these people reacting, reacting, reacting from one game to the next. They, the, the Rangers get spanked the first game. Oh, they're terrible. Then they come back and dominate the Islanders the next game. Oh, here we go. They're the team that we thought they were. Um, I think the Rangers fans really shouldn't have much to worry about. The defense is obviously concerning. I mean, they, they're playing Jack Johnson, so... Uh, that's something to be concerned about. But uh, <laughs> I think that the Rangers are going to be fine. They got a ton of talent uh, offensively, and they, they got, you know, uh, Lafreniere and Kako and Zibanejad. And, you know, they just got all these players that have the potential to put the puck in the net, and I, I think they'll be fine as long as they kind of figure things out defensively. Um, you know, the, I think the Devils, I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood was the star of that game. Uh, obviously, Jack, Jack Hughes as well, but, but people are – are, are sleeping on Mackenzie Blackwood. He's an incredible goaltender. And without Mack in between the pipes in that game, that the Rangers easily could have, you know, put that game away in the, uh, you know, once they started rolling after the, those first 10 minutes of the game. Stevie, but, real um, quick, real quick, what's, what's, cause I, I don't know. And maybe some of the fans, are, what's uh, Blackwood's uh, history? What's his backstory as far as uh, joining this team and who he's played for and, and, um, and, and his, his quality of goaltending. Yeah, he was a late round pick, but he's uh he was somebody who um, the Devils just kind of fell in love with. He's just kind of a big kid. He, um, he, you know, they they brought him up a while ago. The Devils have had goaltending issues for a while with the Corey, you know, Corey Schneider, and and Mac was never intended to kind of come in and be the next guy. It was this was Corey's team, um, but they were they he was somebody that they 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 played every now and again. And then when Corey uh, Schneider went down with the injuries. Uh, Blackwood came in and started proving himself and and proving that he was he he was capable of of playing the NHL game and then we saw stretches of it last season where he was just phenomenal. I mean the first couple of years he was here he was you know he was like any other young goaltender he he let in his share of of poor goals um, and he just has gotten progressively better and better and better and he is so calm he's uh, he's still very young twenty I think he's twenty three um, so poised between the net. Um, I think teams know that they can't beat him down low. I know the notice the Rangers and some of the other teams are trying to shoot high on him, and he's he's improved that aspect of his game, and he's solidifying himself as a legit NHL number one. His his save percentage right now 
through uh, their first three games is somewhere by uh, not like 950 or something like that, or 947.947. So he's 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 been an absolute uh, godsend to the Devils and and hopefully one of the the next great goaltender in New Jersey. We don't need another next great goaltender in New Jersey, Steve. <laughs> Had enough of them already. <laughs> Um, so from the net out so far, so good. Uh, your take on Subban here, obviously a big personality, big talent. Um, you know, with, with, uh, PK man, it's, 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 it's hot or cold, you know, but he's, he's just got such a presence. Uh, your take being a long-term Devils fan here in terms of him settling in and obviously it, these aren't normal times as far as the season last year and, and everything else, but yeah. your, your take and, and I guess what's the importance of PK Subban to this organization? I mean, right now he's very important. They're, they're, the coach, coaching staff, Lindy Ruff, has put a lot of uh, trust in him. Um, he played over 30 minutes in one game. He's, he's getting a lot of like uh, premium ice time. And I think he thrives under that type of conditions. I, I think putting him out there and putting him in all these, uh, these situations is, is what makes PK PK. And he's been outstanding this year. He's really rebounded um, as far as his game. He was, was awful last year. Um, he's playing... Uh, outstanding calm he's he's jumping into the play but he's playing well in his own end I think a lot of that has to do with playing along with Ryan Murray who's been outstanding as long as he stays healthy he's going to be just exactly what the Devils needed on their blue line um I think that's helped PK kind of get into a rhythm early and and winning helps I, I, I the team is excited it's it's fast the rough style suits PK's uh, game very well and and I think uh as of right now, it, it's it's been a very good fit for him, and he's 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 proving that last year uh, hopefully was was an off year. No doubt. Uh, two quick things before I let you go here. Um, who up front is making it happen for you? And then definitely uh, your take here so far, very early in Lindy's uh, takeover of this team. Well, for sure, Jack Hughes is taking a huge jump. I don't know if uh, compared to the guy we saw, the kid we saw on the ice last year that, that was 15 pounds and it's just the confidence he has right now. I mean, you, you saw the way he he handled the puck against the Rangers. He was all over the place, picking people's pockets, taking off. The kid had the puck on his stick the entire game. And, you know, rough after the game said his only is the only thing he wishes that he could have had um, Jack on the ice more. I mean, the Devils took a lot of penalties and that, you know, he doesn't. Uh, it kind of limited his ice time, but Jack has just been really, really impressive. I mean, I think he's tied for the league lead in points, or at least he was before last night's games. Um, and that Sharon Yegar Sharangovich has been uh, just an outstanding find. The kid has really come into his own. He's playing really well with with uh, with Jack up front, and for the most part, that fourth line the Devils have of McLeod, Bastion, and Quokinen have been awesome. They've really done a good job. Uh, the Devils have always uh, pride of themselves of having being able to roll four lines, and over the last several years, they you know they have two and a half lines maybe. Um, so it's nice that that fourth line is finding something. And then of course Miles Wood, I can't say enough about him. The guy, mm-hmm. the last several years has been speed, 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 crashing to the net, crashing the boards, missed the net. But this year he's kind of putting it together, putting the puck in the net, and uh, he's really fitting into Ruff's system. So Ruff, it's his system itself is it it suits the the speed of this team. The Devils look so much faster. Um, they're really just moving up and down the ice. The outlet passes that the defensemen are making, or the the width, the the, the freedom that the defensemen are given to, to jump into the play. We saw it on Sharon Govich's overtime goal, that play that Damon Severson made to to get him the puck. So I I just like what I'm seeing right now. Obviously, it's only three games in, and we've got a tough. They have a tough test coming up with the Islanders the next couple of games. So 
we'll see how that goes. But right now, so far, so good. That's good, man. Um, you know, it's it's weird because the Ranger fan base was giving Lindy such a hard time last year with the defensive uh, system <laughs> yeah. and the struggles. And, I, you know, it's not necessarily always the coach. It's sometimes it's the personnel. And the Rangers are still struggling in that aspect. Right. And you brought it up before, too. And we're kind of noting that here as a fan base and, and commentating on the Rangers, too. But, look, Lindy is um, – He's so experienced, obviously, the success, the success in Buffalo and then uh, even for a little bit down in Dallas there. Uh, it, it seems to be working so far. It's early, Steve, but um, I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, but even looking at him, I mean, for the Devils, the fans, the organization, and sometimes, sometimes it has to line up and sometimes you need the right guy in there at the right time. And I know exactly. it's early. But from what I can see, and then obviously when we get together next week and talk after a couple of games here with the Islanders and the Flyers, obviously, we mm-hmm. might have a different story to tell. But if they can get through that and split against you know a couple of good teams here next week, um, he just might be the right guy for this team right now. I agree. I agree. We'll, we'll see. Right now, it's it's they're gaining confidence. They're gaining experience. They're learning how to win, which is important for a young team. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Not too much, though, Steve. Hold it back. Range fans don't, we don't have too much success. <laughs> it's still the toughest good. division in the league, so it, oh. it'll be tough to crack that top four. Can you imagine what it's going to be like here in June, buddy? <laughs> it's going to be crazy. All right, crazy. Steve, I'll love you, man. Thanks so much. Give me time, as always, okay. and have a great and safe weekend. Okay, best of the fam, and uh, we'll talk to you here next week, buddy. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Bye. You got it. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen. And follow Steve on the Twitter at Steve Palumbo, NJD, NJD, I should see. I should say. Man, I can't even speak today. Unbelievable. Maybe that just kind of bodes well of uh, the production problems I'm having today. We were supposed to be live today, so anybody who tried to tune in live, we apologize. So we taped everything. But anyway, we'll get back at it. I'll get back at it. I'll do my part, and I'll try and straighten this thing out for next week. But until then, enjoy the games this weekend. All right? And a big thanks again to Joe Yarden, Costa Papaluyas, Mr. Tab Bamford, and Mr. Steve Palumbo. And for that hockey show and everybody here at Go Hockey Media, I am Paul Cuthbert. Take care of yourselves. Stay healthy. And enjoy the puck. We'll see you back here next week on THS. Thanks so much for the support. Follow us at That Hockey Show. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us some feedback. All right. Catch you next time. Take care.